1: Hey Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Robin Boyd and Robin, it's flu season and you know what, I have my son Max who's sitting on the floor of my office down uh while he is out of school sick and both of my kids were out sick all last week and we just recorded in california another 35 deaths from this crazy flu it's
2: oh my really
1: really crazy out here i don't know how you know it's sunny southern california i always thought the flu was so bad back east or you know in the cold climates because you shut Mm -hmm. everything up but i swear it's just gone like wildfire out here
2: it is scary because even though you do all the precautions and you take the flu- get the flu shot in the fall uh when there's a new strain coming around, it just hits everybody like with a two woof two by four. Uh, I'm sorry, Max. I'm saying I'm waving to Max in in Radio (laughs) Land over here.
1: Um, He's waving back as he lays on the floor. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just going to come out here with a very unpopular opinion, I'm sure. But, but my, the jury's out for me on flu shots. You know, I got flu shots for probably 10 years, Rob, and then Mm -hmm. I stopped getting them, and I haven't had my kids get flu shots. I they, They've never uh-huh. had a flu shot. And, you know, my sons have both been on antibiotics only once in their life. And, you know, it's hard to know, you know, what to do, whether or not to get the flu shot or not. I know, you know, for some people it's a good idea. But for some of us with health insurance that doesn't cover these things, right. you know, you're talking an awful lot of money. Uh-huh. Um, to have something, and you know what's interesting, too, is both of my kids got the uh, varicella vaccine, you know, the vaccine for chickenpox. Right. And each of my kids still got the chicken pox. Granted, they mm-hmm. didn't get, you know, a very bad case right. of it, but, you know, they still got the chicken pox, so, you know, and both of my kids had different flus. One had fever and headache, the other one mm-hmm. had a sore throat, one had a backache, you know. It, it, I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is to do other than hope
2: it is scary because you don't want to subject your children to unnecessary illness but on the other hand if these vaccines aren't doing anything and i have to take like a holistic approach you know it always seems like down 20 years down the road there's a there's a complication because you had the whatever vaccine you know 20 years prior and I don't know I and we're certainly just giving our personal opinions here we're not we're not (laughs) telling anybody to yes or no (laughs) refuse their doctor's advice or or but it is an individual choice and I think you do have to go into your doctor with questions and if you're uncomfortable with what one doctor says be prepared to go get a second opinion and decide to do a little more research um, I haven't. I, I have never had a flu shot ever, and I did have a small bout of the flu this past. Oh, I guess it was about a month or so ago. And I had it for about a day, and that was it. And I was done. It was a fever, and it was, and it was gone.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, I only had my kids done with the exception of the varicella one. I only had them do the ones that you know I had when I was a kid. You mm-hmm. so they had you know good thirty years experience sure, with it. Sure, and this yeah. is not to knock any other things, but you know, I just. It's it's just a, a it's a tough call because you know in the past my kids have not gotten sick this year they've gotten sicker in the past two weeks than they've been in their entire life.
2: It is hard. You, I, I can remember when um, our kids were little, we found someone at church who had the chicken pox, and I said, "Oh, good, can we come over and play?" <laughs> and everybody kind of looked at me strangely, and I said, "I want them to just get it over with." Yes, they do get the shots, and you the the dose the um, the whole endeavor of it is a little less than it would be without the shot. But you know what? We got it. We got them out of the way. And now, of course, there's a the whole thing with shingles. If you had the chicken pox when you were a kid, you're all the more likely to have shingles as an adult. So there you go. What do you, you know? It's hard to know what what's going to come, and you just do the best you can, I guess. But
1: it's, well, it's, yeah, it's from the era, too, of the chicken pox parties, you know, where somebody's sure. kid would have the chicken pox, bring all the other kids, give them the chicken pox. bring all the, the box, kids, them.
2: get it, and I did it with my kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And uh, Yeah, it was funny. Well, my kids were both premature, Rob, so the question was oh, all sure. about, like, when do we give these shots? Because they couldn't be on the normal rotation, or they exactly. were recommended that they wouldn't. You know, I I don't think yep. I would have questioned anything if, you know, other than the kids being premature, and then the doctors are like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm thinking, I'm not the one who went to medical school, but... Um, right. You know, I'm glad that they asked because there's more wiggle room. Um, And it's a lot to what your health care provider provides. And, you know, these flus, they're just so rampant. You know, I think of my friends on base and they live in the housing. I think about my soldier friends and my Marine friends and how it just whips through the barracks. I mean, it's just,
2: it's brutal. And I think, I mean, granted in the schools, um, I know some of the schools when I used to sub- Be a substitute teacher. There were certain teachers who had a little more of a regiment, the younger the younger grades, um, everything got washed down every night, and then there was a line before you went down to the cafeteria to wash your hands before you went to eat lunch, and um, there are certain precautions that I guess, you know, you just have to get your kids used to, or at least encourage your child's schools, or wherever they are, if it's the library, maybe, you know, go in and help If anyone's looking for volunteer work, maybe it is to go into the children's area of the library and wash all the tables down once a week or something. It's little things like that that make a difference.
1: It does make a huge difference, and you know what makes the biggest difference. And you know, I'm gonna go down the rant of the fat boy scout. Um, is the parents that take their kids to school clearly sick? I see it yep. every morning, and they, you know, you can see their kids have those glassy eyes. A lot of yeah. them, you know, they've given them some sort of medication. You know, you can can tell your kid's dopey and right. dopier than normal. And they come in and they look, and they're like, "Hi, Miss Sandra." Yeah, you know, and their face is draining, and they got sticky hands they want to come and give me a hug and I'm like Uh and I look at those parents like listen I get it I have to work too I'm a single mom but you know what you take that little germ warfare you know that's now known as your child you know to the public school and you let them sneeze all over the pencils and go on the monkey bars it's yeah you know I'd like to take them and you know drop them in Iraq and Afghanistan for a couple hours and bring them back (laughs)
2: Our school is pretty good in our particular town as far as if a kid is... If there's the slightest fever, boom, they're home. If they are really... Um, if they're drippy all over the place, boom, they go home. Or at least they are kind of secluded into the nurse's office. But, um, yeah, we we are pretty proactive in our particular town about that kind of thing, which I'm very grateful because we don't have... Um, a lot of epidemics because of it.
1: Yeah, well, you know, and our school is small, and I think they do the best they can. But you know, these days everybody's so afraid of litigation. Everybody's so afraid to say no to these parents. And it was funny, you know, when I was an employee, you know, worked at the in the school district, Mm -hmm. it was so different because I had to keep my mouth shut. Now I'm just like, oh, you need to take that child home. He is sick. I can see him draining (laughs) all over everywhere. You know, and I'll be the first one to say it in the school lobby. You know, I'm not an employee or you know in any way affiliated with the school anymore, so I can open my big mouth and you. See me do it on Facebook with the moms that were acting the the drive yeah, yeah. the drop off, you know. So I'm known all over town as having a very outspoken opinion on stuff like that. But yeah, it does make me crazy. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there are times that or even in a store, you know, when somebody is like coughing and hacking, you just when when I was uh going through chemo, I would go to the store at um the lowest peak times. I would wear a face mask and gloves and um yeah, you know, you just have to do those those precautions and I I would not go shopping when it was crowded time.
1: Well, and I think the best thing, like, and I taught my 80 year old dad, you know, this, and my Uncle Gary, who's 79 when they were here, you know, mm-hmm. I taught him to sneeze into their elbow. Like, I just. Think, yeah. That, to me alone, like, when I think of how many things, especially my little guy, my little guy, I put a pedometer on him, and he hit, like, 25,000 steps by, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And <laughs> if we could have a pedometer on his hands, you know, like a handometer, to see how many things he touched, you know, yep. one sneezed in the hand, and, you know, you think of, and he's the type of kid that, like, puts his hand in his mouth, then he goes up the escalator, drags it the whole way, you know, collecting all yep. the germs, yep. puts his hand in his mouth again. Um, you know, but some of these kids can just be bananas with that. And I think, you know, just the sneezing into the elbow, whoever came up with that just deserves a Nobel prize.
2: I agree. It's true. There's so many little things, whether it be, uh, like you say, sneezing in your, into your elbow or just remembering, um, just not put, picking up a friend, going to the drive through and, um, Not, you know, grabbing the the quickie and eating the french fries with your hands or um, before you, when you undo the groceries, you just have to wash your hands before you touch. You know, it's like um, there's so many little things and it just takes getting your kids ingrained and getting them sort of just just, um, accustomed to doing these things.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, a custom, that's it. It's just got to be a habit. And, you know, if you get some of these habits ingrained in your kids, you know, my kids, I nickname mm-hmm. them Niles and Fraser, you know, because I, I instilled in them and they have their natural propensity for it. But, you know, it just helps everybody. You know, the fact that two of my kids had crazy flu last week and Grandpa and I didn't get it, you know, says something.
2: Right, right. I uh, hope your dad is okay and um, I hope your uncle took up and... Um... He he didn't go home with any, any illnesses, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sandra, we're heading into a break. Um, and on the other side of the break, we have an author today, and I'm so excited to meet this person. I read um, the uh, synopsis for his books on Amazon, and I really am excited to hear from him. Um Upon graduation from the United States Military Academy at West Point, Richard Fox began his decade long service in the U.S. Army as a field artillery and military intelligence officer. Um, during that time, he served two 15 month tours in Iraq and was awarded the Combat Action Badge and the Bronze Star. You'll want to hear all about his stories when we come back with Richard Fox after this break.
0: Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind.
3: Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know.
4: It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments.
3: We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side.
4: Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a
0: stressful world.
4: Find power in those stories,
3: learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Join us for Self Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu, Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on TogiNet.com.
2: Welcome back, everyone. We're just getting Sandra back on the line. She had a little technical difficulty. And so while we are getting Sandra back in there, do we have her? Got her. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> Welcome back, Sandra.
1: <laughs> I don't know how good I sound, but I'm here. So maybe I should shut You're up. F-
2: no, you're fine. We we have to hear from you too, uh, Sandra. Have you had a chance to uh, take a peek at either of um, these books? They look wonderful.
1: They do. They do. They're amazing.
2: Now, we want to welcome Richard Fox with us. He is uh, the author of these books, and in his books has drawn from some of his personal experiences, but we're really anxious to uh, talk to him about uh, how all of these books came to being and if he was a budding author all along and maybe didn't know. it. Richard, welcome to the show. We appreciate you being here.
5: Hi. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on.
2: Now, your uh, experiences in your uh, military career probably had a lot to do with the, with the um, sort of the direction that you were taking your stories. Were your stories uh, as a result of what you saw in the military? Or had you always been a creative mind and maybe had these in the back of your head all along? Well,
5: I, I started writing when I was in college. I did uh, part of a... a- it's a called the Hundredth Night Show at West Point, where the first class cadets or the seniors will lampoon their four years there. And I wrote a bunch of the scenes for, for my year. And then I wrote a, a screenplay for the Red Baron uh, in between my two tours. But, oh, okay. And, uh, but for the, the Inch of Darkness, a lot of most of the book is experiences that I saw or, or directly participated in while I was in Iraq.
2: I see. Now, are both of these books sort of um, one after the other? Are they two separate pieces? Because it seems like we have um, a series begun here. Was that your intention?
5: Well, it, it is a series. The intent originally was just for one big book when I was looking at the outline. I, saw, I have all these flashbacks. If I take them out, I can put them into just kind of a prequel. Mm-hmm. And so the, the the prequel of the short story of the Caliban program is it leads directly into into darkness and there it I do have plans for all the characters after this
2: I see I see because you you have really begun to develop the your uh, protagonist uh, Eric Ritter Lieutenant Eric Ritter and he's sort of thrust into this um, CIA, Program that is sort of covert and um, has the, the story kind of develops from there. Um, was this totally total oh. fiction? Can I ask that much? Was this was any of this um,
5: <laughs> from well, experience? Everything, well, everything you see with the CIA and the caliban program—that's all fiction. Okay, but everything in the into uh, into in darkness with the Iraqis and with the army—that's that's, most, that's almost all fact. Uh-huh. And, and everything in, in Into Darkness, unless it's dealing with the CIA or it sounds like a war crime committed by Americans, that's fiction.
2: This has to be exciting for you because I'm sure, based on what you know as fact, um, I I think it's really fun for one's imagination to just sort of take off. And this must have really been – I don't know if you ever watched the show Castle, but I just think it's kind of funny when all of a sudden he'll see a police uh, intervention or whatever, and then all of a sudden this whole story comes out of him.
5: (laughs) Oh, no. I I love Castle. My wife and I have seen every single episode together.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, but there's and, many
5: times when you know, something would happen, you know, in the world. I'm like, okay, how could I work that into a story? Right,
2: right, right. right. And now, did you release these both side by side? Uh, it looks like the publication date is one right after the other. So this right. must I, mean you were very busy.
5: I did release them both at, at the same time. the The Caliban program actually finished many months ago. But then I, I thought, well, I can just release it right now. But then I thought, I'm releasing something with a teaser. And I have no follow up, so I decided to wait until both both were done, and let them out at the same time.
2: That's really interesting. Was that your choice, or did your publisher have that suggestion? It,
5: it's it's my choice. I I mm-hmm. independently published both of them. Okay.
2: Okay. And what do you foresee in the future? Where are you going to stay with this uh, Eric Ritter character? Or...
5: I am. i my mm-hmm. next my next book is I'm going to go back to um, uh, the Red Baron, who is. Uh, who was who assigned to my first uh, screenplay. And that okay. story's already done, so I'm going to put that in the book and get it out. And then I'll go back to Ritter and everyone else from the Calibran mm-hmm. program, and I should have that book out by this summer.
2: That's really wonderful. I think that having uh, a series like this is kind of neat, Uh, whether it be Harry Potter, whether it be Robert Parker's books, um, whether it be Nero Wolfe, all of all, once you've met the character, even Sherlock Holmes, once you've met the character, you sort of have that um, background information set, and then you just begin with the adventure right away. So that's really exciting.
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to keep going, and I've, I've, I have outlines done for several more books. So uh, I think I can have everything with Eric Ritter, every story I have planned for him, done by, by the middle of next year.
2: That's wonderful. Now, as for your little one in the background, have you ever thought of writing children's
5: books? Oh, no. I think if you read Into Darkness, you might think, this author should not do children's books. <laughs>
2: Well, you could have a quirky... I mean, Maurice Sendak had some quirky things, too, you know, with these monsters and whatnot. So there might be something um, something in you yet, but you're, I'm sure you enjoy reading with your little guy.
5: Oh, I, I sure do. He, he's more interested in flipping the pages and throwing the book sometimes, but I'm, I'm working on
2: it. <laughs> what, how do you feel... How important do you feel reading is to your children?
5: I think it's very important because at the very beginning you know i've read to him ever since he was a newborn and that's i'm mm-hmm. trying to build that connection between me and him of him just you know hearing me and me he and i doing something together every day mm-hmm. and then to to help him build build up a love of reading because you know as he grows older you know i want him to I, I wouldn't mind if he's a bookworm because i certainly was one as a child and you know i so this way you know i teach him that reading it's a lot of vicarious learning you can see what these other people did and how they reacted and you know, if you had, if you aren't with that knowledge, that's one that's one less lesson you have to learn on your own. I've been,
2: I'm was a teacher in uh, years ago, and definitely reading was something that I felt very strongly about. And uh, the whole creative process of writing is important too for children, whether they're just drawing a picture and telling you the story, or whether they're actually writing a novel, uh, which I have to say, I had a fifth grader at. When my son was in the fifth grade would sit down and write, and he has hundreds of pages in in notebooks and that was that was his creative outlook which is which is really fun, Richard, I want to ask you, you had quite a a military career once you reintegrated back into civilian life um, how much of your military background had bearing on what your career is now, or your how you chose to move forward into civilian life.
5: Right. Well, moving into civilian life is I, I'm working as a realtor in, in the Phoenix area, and for military folks, you know, we have a great sense of urgency mm-hmm. in what we do. So when you know, whenever a client calls me, it's like we are on it uh, immediately, and my my coworkers are always impressed. They're like. You made how many calls yesterday? You went how many places yesterday? And I said, well, of course, I had to do it. And what, what was there? you know, I, I'm always confused. Why is this a discussion? The clients need mm-hmm. it. Let's get it done. And, you know, in that kind of urgency was was pretty common uh, during both my deployments where, sure. you know, somebody says, you know, and one of the Iraqis would come to me and say, I know where a bad guy is. Can we go get him? And I'm like, sure, let's go get this done. And then, you know, the, the whole, you know, the... I won't call it, it's almost a circus to get everything involved and going but mm-hmm. it happens, but selling homes much easier.
2: <laughs> I'm glad, um, but I think it does transcend that the discipline that you've received in the military, um, and we've said this time and time again on the show. No matter uh, who we're talking with, um, the the discipline and the dedication and the sense of core values that one has developed because of their military life only brings that level of excellence to whatever career they pursue beyond and um, as a a realtor I'm sure you will probably serve many military families and understand that all of a sudden they have a move coming up or all of a sudden they may be deployed and they need to know what their um, housing situation is when they get back so I'm sure that you're a great benefit to your clients.
5: Well, I, you know, I do my best with everyone I can. Yeah, I, Phoenix does have uh, plenty of military folks here. And I'm always happy to help whenever they, you know, they get that short notice. Hey, you have to PCS in 20 days. Go.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it is. And you've got to move. <laughs> yep. Where can uh, people find your books, Richard? Because they're, they're, I do encourage them to read them. They, they're, they're extremely exciting.
5: Oh, thank you. They're both available on Amazon.com.
2: Mm-hmm. Do I you have a, a link?
5: Or um, If you go to Amazon.com and in the search box, just hit Into Darkness and Richard Fox, and they'll pop right up.
2: Okay, great. What about a blog? Are you blogging these days?
5: Yeah, I, I have working on that. I'm a bit of a Luddite sometimes. and you know, <laughs> I, I have an older blog that I kept when I was in Iraq, and I thought, no, 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 I need to do this right. So I'm working on I'm getting a, a fully functioning blog up in the near future.
4: Oh,
2: good. Well, I'm looking forward to that as well. Please stay tuned, and uh, do keep us uh, in the loop when you've got the next book ready to release or or just out on the bookshelves. We want to know about it, because I know all of our listeners are going to be avid readers of Richard Fox's novels. We're so appreciative that you took the time to be with us today.
5: Oh, thanks for having me on.
2: Take care, and say hello to that little guy for us.
5: I sure will. (laughs) Coming so. up
2: Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, on the other side of the break, we hope we get Sandra back. we we still uh have her in the um ozone somewhere and I'm not quite sure. Uh unfortunately we lost her in the in the uh In the technology. But on the other side of the break, we are looking forward to saying hello to Linda Franklin. We haven't had her uh, with us in a little bit, and she is the founder of Shining Service Worldwide. She began in November 2010, and she feels it was a destiny. You'll want to stay tuned because we've got lots of exciting things with Linda Franklin after this.
0: Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system, keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd, and we'll be right back after these.
4: Have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Then join us for Sex Talk with Lou, with your host Lou Paget on Toginet Wednesday nights nine eight Central. Do you want to recreate a truly connected relationship, or wonder how do I tell my kids about things? Join Lou Paget, one of the world's best-selling authors in the field of sexuality, a certified sex educator and sought-after expert for all media and her renowned expert guests as they discuss anything and everything about sex that impacts our lives and our families' lives. For more on Lou, check out her website, loupaget.com. This is the show where the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health can finally give you the answer to that question. Join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget Wednesday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com.
3: Girlfriended is on Toginet Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women.
1: Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm back. Gotta love Windows 7, Windows 8, Windows XP, <laughs> microphones, and internet, which is what it takes to keep this show on the air. I swear to God, Rob, I'm going to have a stroke.
2: <laughs> yep, you were kind of underwater and scratchy and all over the place, so we're glad you sound much better. Talk about the flu. I think the computer got the flu.
1: I think, <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. But you know, I'm really excited. I want to thank Richard for being on and I just love the kid noise in the background because all I I can think of is all the shows I've had to do over the years with remember we credited my golden retriever Sally with one show and uh, (laughs) you know, I've had screaming kids and you know, just all that stuff. So you know, it's nice to know I'm not the only one.
2: That's it. But you know, isn't that a testament to life today we have offices in our homes we have our kids beside us um... you know you take your kid out of school because you've got to go to a convention or something and you wanted when even when i in my day we're talking you know the dinosaur age my mother would take me out of school for a day because she belonged to what was called our community extension program and i would go with her to her seminars And we would learn caning, we would learn um, nutrition, we would learn, um, you know, economic development. It was like, she said, why should I send you to school when I can take you to the university? So... that's what today's all about.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, you know, talking about taking care of families and taking care of uh, people, Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to have uh, Linda Franklin on the show with us today. She is the owner and creator behind a great, great philanthropic organization called Shining Service Worldwide. We've had her on many times in the past and I'm so excited because she's growing and her company is growing and, you know, they're helping so many people and she's just got a a whole bunch of new stuff to share with us this year about what Shining Service Worldwide is doing. Linda, do we have you on the line? We do, and I'm glad to hear you're back on the line, too. Oh, <laughs> you know. Sweating a few bullets there, that's for sure.
6: Oh And I apologize because I thought all the all the extra noise was coming from
1: your end and it was the guess end. <laughs> yeah, well it usually is. That's a pretty good guess. If it's gonna be kid <laughs> noise, dog noise, whatever, the police came one time to give me paperwork during the middle of the show, it's all good. Okay. <laughs> So tell me, what's going on with Shining Service? I mean, for our listeners who don't know who you are, can you take a minute and let us know what Shining Service does and how it helps our uh, women in the military? Yes. uh,
6: Shining Service is uh, all about women in the military. We only serve uh, the military women, military spouses, women veterans. And really what we're trying to do is make a very successful integration for women veterans. Because with their challenges are many, the help is uh, not plentiful at best, and uh, they're falling through the cracks. And uh, I think it, we're gonna, it's going to take private organizations to, first of all, uh, bring the awareness piece that, that women in the military really do have these challenges. It's not just men serving, it's women serving too. They have their unique problems, and uh, we have to reach out to help them.
1: And their families, too. I mean, you you do a big service of, you know, when you help the mom or, you know, and, you know, let's be honest, in most cases, the mom's the primary caretaker. So when you assist the mom, you're really assisting the entire family.
6: Well, right. Uh, We, uh, you know, again, we're focused on the women, uh, and we soon will be focused on uh, women veterans and their children, Uh, I'm hoping by the end of this year, because we're going to have a building which will serve as a residence uh, for, these, for these women. It's, it'll be in New York City, and it is so needed. Uh, I mean, there was just an article in the New York Times the other day about how they're cl- closing a lot of these shelters because they're just, they're just so badly run, so horrible, and people are looking for, for places to, to put people that need help.
2: And, Linda, how do, when people are just coming uh, out of their uh, military life, how do they first find you? Do you have sort of a connection with some of the um, branches as they are coming out, or have, how have you gotten your word out there? Well, you know, our word
6: um, is done, uh, <laughs> well, rather brashly because of our, our Shining Service makeovers are great media fodder. Yeah. And so that we uh, we do six or seven of these makeovers in different events every year simply to attract <laughs> new people to our cause mm-hmm. and to and to get the uh, to get the media involved so more and more people find us but it 's a great thing with the makeovers because we have got now such a wonderful community of women that um, the word gets around when, when you're doing something good, people want to get involved in it. So whether it be the military women or the civilian community, uh, mm-hmm. people are being most generous and very supportive of, of what we're doing and what we will do in the future. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's happening. Don't ask me how it's happening. It's just <laughs> happening.
2: Let's explain a little bit to our listeners, because if uh, we haven't um, had you on in a bit, what exactly these makeovers entail, because you're involving an awful lot of wonderful sponsors and contributors in order to make these happen.
6: Oh, well, we, uh, yes, we are very, very fortunate. We have wonderful partners. And if you go to the website, world, uh, shiningserviceworldwide.com and, and click on the makeover page, you'll see pictures and videos and media clips of, of our makeovers. And I was just looking at it today and I, I gotta be honest with you, I was impressed. You know, we've done some really, really good work. We just did our last uh, makeover Valentine's Day at the Arden Red Door Salon, and we had we made over four women, four military women, and um, we gave them head-to-toe pampering, and we had a lovely woman in Washington who uh, has a, uh, a company that makes custom-made uh, dresses. Cause it's called Numari, N-U-M-A-R-I, and mm. she uh, whipped up dresses for all of the women, so they all had their their dresses custom-made for them and then you know we do this grand reveal after all of their hair and makeup and manicures and pedicures and whatever else they get uh, and then we always have guests there to greet them we had about 70 women in this salon and uh, talking and we had, uh, talking to the women getting their stories sh- sharing sharing resources and, um, and our guests were having a great time too because they were like little girls in a in a kids in a candy store because they were getting pampered too. They were getting these wonderful complimentary um, uh, treatments from from Arden. So I mean, it's just you know, it's it's they're all different, they're all unique, but they're all wonderful. And um, the re- the people that are giving the services at the different salons and spas, they're just so generous and so gracious and they treat our military gals like queens and they they say they get more out of it than the than the women do so they're delighted to do it
1: Well, you know, Linda, I'd like to chime in here for a second, because I've had the, the pleasure of seeing one of these up close and personal when I was in New York City last year, and one of the things that will always stay with me for the rest of my life is one of the girls that you guys did a makeover on, she looked up and she said, I thought my country had forgotten about me, and... You know, I think you touch on something so vital and so important with today's military women in that, you know, we are honored and recognized in different ways than men. I'm not saying that a soldier is not a soldier is not a soldier, but at our core being, there are men and there are women. And when she looked at herself in the mirror and she looked so pretty and she had her hair done, you know, every woman out there can can relate to this. And to see one of these women who had served our country and who was, you know, knocking herself out for her family, a single mom, and to say, I thought my country had forgotten about me until you gave her that gift of herself back, that to me was one of the most amazing experiences of my life.
6: Well, well, it is. And thank you uh, for telling that story, because that's true. Sometimes when you just hear, oh, makeover, it just seems very, you know, you know, kind of it it doesn't it's not significant but it really is significant because a lot of them are 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 still in the guard or they're still serving and they're still in uniform and they're still got their hair pulled back and they're still really in 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 a man's world having to you know act in a certain way and then you bring them there and you know they just they transform they get reconnected to their feminine power and and how beautiful they can be and how strong they can be and it really changes how they think about themselves which is you know that's the most important thing
2: it is important linda and i think that metamorphosis is important because they have been, and we had a, a wonderful gal on last week uh, who was a helicopter pilot. She was a Huey and a Blackhawk pilot. And she literally said she was one of the guys. She bunked with the guys. She flew with the guys. And she was one of the guys. And to be able to come back and begin to realize that she is her own person, that she's an independent person, and then to have the confidence to be able to go into a job interview With this um, new persona, I guess you could say, or this rediscovered persona, that is in fact a gift. and I'm sure you hear these testimonies time and time again, Linda. Oh, you know we do. We have one woman who's actually—I'm uh, hoping that she's going to be on our advisory board. She's a lieutenant
6: colonel in the Air Force, and she's her her mission now is in New York. She served for twenty years, but now she's kind of uh, working in New York uh, in public affairs. And um, she always wherever she goes, she always is in her uniform. But we made her over for Valentine's Day, and she just and she 's looking now for you know what 's next and and yeah. how, how can I get back? How can I transition back into into civilian life and sure and she and this she she looked at she was, uh, you know this this will really this really helps you know Aww. and then plus, they connect with the other women and they have a bigger community and they want to help one another. In fact, another woman who came, she wasn't made over, but she was at our event, and she she reached out because when we did our Super Bowl event, we've been very busy. Uh, oh. she, she, she's she was, she's a veteran, and she came. And uh, she reached out to to uh, United Veterans Beacon House, which is my... Oh,
2: Linda, that was what I was going to segue into. And we've okay. got the break right here. And I'm sorry to cut you off. We're no. going to hear all about the Beacon House on the other side of the break. Sure. Because this is so exciting. We're with Linda Franklin today from Shining Service. Be back in a moment.
0: Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? keeping the home fires burning well that's what we're here for it's military mom talk radio with sandra beck and robin boyd and we'll be right back after these
3: information about book publishing is power the power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing, Everything You Want to Know But Didn't Know What to Ask, with your host, Dr. Judith Riles, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific, on the Rockstar Radio Network. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now as the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Riles, is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network. Shh,
4: listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. Where you matter and your business thrives. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the WooHoo Radio Network.
3: We'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list.
1: Hey, military moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd. And today we're visiting with Linda Franklin of Shining Service Worldwide. So you're going to want to check out that site. She's doing some really, really amazing things uh, for women in our military and women who have served in our military. Now, one of the affiliations that you have, Linda, is with United Veterans Beacon House. And uh, maybe a year ago or six months ago, we had Frank Amalfaton from Shining, uh, I'm sorry, from United Veterans Beacon House. So those of you listening today who want to learn more can go ahead and listen to that on iTunes. We're also on Powered Up Talk, or I'm sorry, we're also on It's Not My Day. Oh, forget it. Gosh, we're on com. We are on MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Now, Linda and I host a show tomorrow, so I'm not completely crazy, but we we do host another (laughs) show called Powered Up Talk Radio. Um, But I want to invite you guys to go listen to our prior uh, recordings of different shows. We have over 150 hours of... Free, family-friendly programming for the military. So, Linda, I want you to tell us a little bit about uh, United Veterans Beacon House and, and what great things you guys are doing together.
6: Well, United Veterans Beacon House is my fiscal sponsor. And what that means, for, for those that don't know, um, when I first started Shining Service, I was really uh, betwixt and between whether to make it a, a, a freestanding, uh, not-for-profit or or not, and I didn't realize. So I uh, what what my options were. So I went to some people that know a lot more about this than I did, and everyone advised me not to do that because they said the paperwork and and all of the stuff that you'll have to do will drive you crazy. Won't leave you any time to do your work. Um, maybe you should go find a fiscal sponsor, which means they take you under their umbrella, and you are part of them. You act as a not for profit, but they do all the work. They do all of the, the tax filings and and all of that. You get to use their um, not-for-profit ID numbers for all the things that you're doing, and uh, but you're but they are they are the 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 real 501c3 not-for-profit. Hmm. So um, you know and what they do they they're based on Long Island and they have about now about 27 homes for uh, homeless military uh, veterans. They also take in a lot of, you know, homeless people um, on Long Island. They have a thrift shop. They do different uh, services. They help uh, veterans with their benefits. They're always on call. I mean, sometimes I'll talk to Frank, and he's out on a snowy night picking somebody up that has to go somewhere, a veteran. Um, you know, it's just it's incredible the work that they do. So. Together, we are going to be doing this, this building, this home in New York City, which is a little bit out of his territory, uh, but I, I, it's a long story on how that happened, but I won't even <laughs> get into that. But I'm very excited about it. So, uh, we are buying this building uh, from another charity, and um, we have put in a, an 800-page grant, of which they prepared, not me, uh, for the funding. So, um, we hope to serve these women, um, give them a safe place for them and their children, uh, while they go get the help they need to, again, have a successful reintegration, um, but know that they're going to be okay. And then I've got a ton of people, uh, on board that want to do programs for the children, you know, uh, art, music, tutoring, blah, 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 and then extra, uh, services for the women other than VA services so that they can sort of get back on track uh, even quicker.
2: That's really so wonderful in that um, not everybody coming back does have the family to go to and um, giving them this opportunity to, as you say, get back on their feet. In your um, sort of focus, in your strategic plan, do you have sort of an open-ended um Housing, is there a time limit to how long someone can stay at this at your house? Well, housing? I think
6: it's going to be, uh, and I'm not 100% sure of this, and believe me, I'm no expert. That's why I have Frank at, at United Veterans uh, as my guide. Uh, but, you know, the, we're, there's going to be a lot of uh, women that are going to be there, I guess, on a temporary basis for up to two years, but I think we're also going to have permanent housing in there, too. So once they get back on their feet because they're individual mm-hmm. little apartments. So that they will be able to stay there um, uh-huh. as well, which is, you know, which I think is a really, really great idea. The thing that's the f- most frustrating for me, uh, because you know I'm an instant gratification girl, and we've <laughs> been, we've been, we found this building like almost a year ago. It's hard to believe, but and it's it just any time that you deal with the government, it's like it takes forever. <laughs> you know to get these grants approved and get all the approvals that you need and it, you know we have an, we've got an architect and a construction guide that have done all the plans because you needed to submit everything in the budget every, to to into the uh, grant to pay for the house but i you know it's just sort of standing in Still, until we get all these diff- approvals from the city, approvals from the you know the HAP grant, approvals from mm-hmm. this approval, it's like oh my god, you know, kill me now. But eventually, <laughs> it's going to happen, and we, I, I'm learning patience.
2: <laughs> you're not, you're speaking to the choir here. You're preaching to the choir when you're talking to the military families here.
6: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's
2: it, it's painful.
6: It's painful, mm. but um, you know we're you know but we are marching ahead. In the meantime, we are. Uh, getting some new, you know, we're getting new friends. We, you know, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase is doing a lot of uh, work with the military. They've got a very, very big program. I think they started with 100,000 jobs, and now they've filled that, and now they're up. You know, they're now their slogan is 200,000 jobs, and I think they're having a boot camp uh, up in New York City in June to invite women from all over the country to come into into New York. Um, and I don't know all the details, but we do have a meeting with them on, on uh Thursday to talk about that. So that might be something that's gonna be interesting. Uh I think it's it I think it's spouses too. So it you know it's really neat you need to get the spouses involved because they're the ones that are, you know, living uh with with with, with, with our people, our men and women that are coming home um and dealing with all the challenges on top of just you know, day-to-day living challenges.
2: Sure. Now, when you say some other services, Linda, um, are you talking helping them with some job uh, career opportunities or at least helping them in those kinds of directions? Yes, we, we will definitely do that. But the, the women that are going to be
6: occupants of this house, they have to get better first before you can even start to talk about that. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of psychological problems, whether it be sexual trauma problems or PTSD problems or addict, addiction problems. So you've got to get them back on the right track, because if you go right into, okay, well, this is what you've got to do on a job interview, it's mm-hmm. not it, it's not going to compute, because they got so many different issues on there. Don't forget, these women were one step from homeless or came from homeless shelters. So you don't yeah. go from there to, to doing a job interview. You've got to work up. But, yes... Uh, when they are ready, we have people that will counsel them, show them the way, um, and, and hopefully get them into, into different corporations where they have a chance of, of, of getting in and using what they learned in the military uh, in a very productive way.
2: Hmm. If there are people who would like to get on board and help in any capacity, how should they do that, Linda? Well,
6: you know, they can, uh, they can go to the site, uh, shiningserviceworldwide.com, uh, uh, you can see all of our makeovers you can see how you can help partner with us uh sponsor uh donate um it's all going uh, towards towards this uh housing that we're going to provide and mm-hmm. um you know and, and then if, if you're in the New York area you know volunteers there's just you know there's a lot of, of ways to help
2: yeah especially with all of the uh things that you do through shining service definitely you you depend a lot on the generosity of people in the community.
6: Oh yes, absolutely. And um, you know, as I said, our partners and sponsors have been has been terrific. And um, you know, we're, we're we're a new a new organization. We're we're just heading now into our fourth year. Uh, but we're mm-hmm. moving we're moving quickly. And i you know that's only because it's it, it, it takes a village, and we're we're really getting <laughs> that village together.
2: And this is the thing, I think now is your blossom time because you've put so much work into the development of this service and this organization that um, now I think it, it has reached a good base of people and it's just going to explode now. I, I can just feel it. <laughs> yeah,
6: well, I can you know feel it too. what's so cool too. about
1: the whole thing, you guys, is... You know, I was lucky enough to meet Linda when she was first starting this. And every time Mm -hmm. I hear that phrase, like, you can make a difference, or one vote makes a difference, or one person can move mountains, uh, Linda Franklin, I'm here to tell you, is a woman who embodies that in body, spirit, and soul. What I've seen her create over the last four years is nothing short of remarkable, but it's something that's just, you know, Let's do this, is what Linda says, and then all of a sudden, this is what happens. And I just, I'm so proud of her. I just wanted to say that you can well, make a you. difference. Linda's living proof. Well, thank Absolutely. you.
2: Absolutely.
1: And I and I, I talked to another woman today who's also making a,
6: a big difference. In fact, I emailed you that I think that you should have her as a guest on this program because she's doing a thing uh, with YogaFit. She's teaching. Uh, she's teaching women how to. For, for military women, they're giving them training programs, but very specific training programs on how to deal with PTSD, how to get through PTSD, how to teach other women how to get through uh, PTSD. But now they're also opening it up. You don't have to take the program, but if you have a, a registered teacher that they're, they're they're teaching, that you know spouses can come in and do this. It's a it's a very and they're doing it with wounded warriors now, but they're opening it up for a lot of other people, and they would like to partner with us in some sort of a program. But it's very, very interesting work, and they developed, as I said, this program, how to do this specific kind of yoga that really helps people
2: with PTSD. Oh, Linda Franklin, we are so appreciative of you being here, but just beyond that, so appreciative of all the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much, and we encourage you all to visit ShiningServiceWorldwide.com for lots of information and ways to help. Uh, Next week, we want to invite you to join us. We have a psychologist who you have heard before. He's been with us before. Kevin Hull will be with us, and we're going to talk about um, Asperger's and autism and um, just different paths of, of ways to uh, support those children and people in, that have been in the spectrum and are living with family members in the spectrum. We hope you'll be with us. It is a joy to hear from all of you, so do stay tuned. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Have a great week, everyone.